Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Be A Lion podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Brenneman, and this podcast is a safe space to talk about the healing journey and how we connect to our true, authentic selves and what that looks like, all the messiness and all the in-betweens. So we also discuss human design quite a bit because... For those that don't know me, if this is the first podcast you're listening to, I am a human design reader and I view the lens through um, the knowledge and the information that I've learned about human design and the science of differentiation. So I really like to discuss this with my guests about how they've integrated that within their lives. And I've definitely been in a bit of a, feels like a hibernation. I'm doing what twos do when we're really getting into our genius and discovering that zone for ourselves. Um, I'm a two four and I've been learning and integrating the human design information much deeper than I feel like I ever have. So it's really just been in the forefront of my mind and I just want to say that I know it can come off as really confusing. So if you've heard about it or you are interested in it, but it just doesn't seem approachable for you, I really try to make it easy to understand. And I like to translate the complexities of it into actionable steps that you can take right away. Um, you know, in the past, I feel like I've overwhelmed people with information and maybe given them too much information. But I look at it now as a map to your healing and what we call deconditioning in human design. You're really learning about your tendencies through that lens of like, it's not really you, it's your conditioning. And what would it look like if you were connecting to your true self and how you actually operate and making decisions for yourself? So that's what's on my mind today. <laughs> um, I'm, but I'm really excited for today's guest. Let's get to that. Let's jump on over to her. Course correct. <laughs> um, my dear friend Emily joined me today to talk about her path getting started into spirituality. Um, we talked about sexual healing and her journey with BDSM and how that helped her step into her confidence and her power. Um, we talked about all sorts of things. This was just a really cool conversation amongst friends and you can probably feel our genuine connection. Uh, you know, sometimes I have guests on that I don't really know personally very well and I love having a wide variety of people, you know, strangers and friends alike. Um, so yeah, you might feel a different energy shift here because this is a friend and she has a lot of wisdom and I really want to showcase that and I'm happy that I could give her a platform to share her wisdom because she is a projector. She's an emotional projector and as we know, projectors can sometimes feel like they're not seen and they're not recognized and they're not understood but when you get a projector in their zone and in their magic and you're having them open up about their experiences and their perceptions it's just really special um so i adore projectors i have many 
close projectors in my life and everybody needs a projector in their life because they're really there to guide and to show you the way. Um, But because they do need to be invited, that can be really confusing for them and they don't always know when it's appropriate to share their wisdom and really uh, penetrate you with their aura because that's what their their aura is penetrative um but anyways I just love Emily she's truly magical and I'm so glad that I've gotten to know her over the past year and I'm glad that I got to hear her speak from her place of magic and wisdom and she has an Etsy shop she's doing really cool stuff so I'll link all of her information below So without further ado, here is my conversation with Emily. excited to have you on. I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation, um, just considering our journey, our personal journeys together, as well as our separate ones, just through spiritual awakenings and all of the crazy shit that's happened over the last year. I know I'm excited. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you just want to kind of get into your what was it like growing up what was it like being a kid we talk a lot about inner child healing on this podcast what do you remember from your childhood um yeah like bits and pieces um (laughs) but uh I I was a I was always a like kind of strange kid um in like the best ways um I was had a, I always struggled making friends and keeping like a good group of friends. But when I was really young, I grew up in a small town um, and all my and I have like a lot of cousins. I think I have like 14 on one side. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, we all were around the same age and we just kind of played together all the time. And uh, we've been talking recently about how we would make spells in the backyard. And when I moved, I would. Uh, spend all my time outside just talking to trees and so always a little bit weird but (laughs) um, just very connected to to nature since I was little yeah I love that I can so see that for you like (laughs) just being like I'm a fairy in the trees (laughs) (laughs) yes what were like your favorite what were your favorite make-believe games to play as a kid Oh, we uh we used to do Barbies all the time. And now that I now that I'm older and like have gone through my own spiritual awakening, I realized we were just like reenacting past lives. I was just <laughs> guiding people through past life regressions and <laughs> not to any of our knowledge. No, right. but I do like I for sure know that there's no way I would have known this stuff that we like the lives we were portraying through these Barbies, like there weren't like anyone I knew in real life. And it's not like I was watching reality TV in the nineties. Like there really wasn't. So I don't know where, but I basically made when we would play Barbies, it was like we were watching reality TV, like the drama and all of it. <laughs> yes. I remember that too. And I, I always wonder that with little kids, like where do they get 
these ideas now. And I mean, when we were little too, I mean, now I'm like, well, my niece watches YouTube all the time. So I don't know Mm -hmm. where she gets stuff. But when we were kids, you know, we didn't have any of that. And so it's, it's clear that children are tapped into other dimensions. Yeah. And I remember like when I was 11 or 12, I would ask my mom or I'd say things like, um, well, when I did this last time about like being in high school or going to high school or something like when I when I was in high school last time and I would say things like that and they would just brush it off. My parents were um, they still are very religious and very um, they would say they're not religious, but. Uh, as you exit that, you start to see there's a lot of deep religion in their spiritual practices that are uh, more ritualistic or, um, well, religious. <laughs> yeah. They're more like, well, understand. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it, they probably grew up religious, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and- my, my dad was Catholic, raised Catholic, and my mom kind of just went to whatever church she could walk to. Um, She was always Uh. very spiritual. And so because the only things closest to her were these churches, that's just where she found her passion. So Yeah. Which is, you know, it's great if that's what resonates with people. The Mm -hmm. part that I don't like about it is when we're DMing people for (laughs) not being a certain way and, you know – but yeah, I can understand. It's hard to break that religious programming. I found that with my dad too, since he, you know, he almost became a priest and he was really steeped in that, just being Cuban. That's really part of their culture. And so as an adult, I've kind of watched him go on his journey with it, like not really believing in it because his intuition is telling him that there's some malarkey going on there. But there's that connection to God that you're seeking and you feel like you have to do it through this way. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a mind fuck. It's super interesting though, because at this point where I am in my spiritual journey, it lights her up when I talk about it because she's, and it's not that we're talking about different things because I know truly in my heart that the God that she talks about is the same God that I am talking about and the same yeah. source and creator and spirit is. And so it's, it's just the, the, you should read your Bible more kind of statements where mm. I'm like, I think I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> but, I'm good. <laughs> but if that brings you peace, then I, I'm not here to judge your journey. I just uh, personally, I've, I've, I've slithered myself out of it. <laughs> yeah, like, no more, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, it took a lot of healing just to even say the word God and feel comfortable. Like, so. Oh, same. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Because people get yeah. so triggered by the word God. <laughs> and I understand, yeah. And especially for a long time, Jesus was even triggering. Um, yep. And it. Yeah, it was it's it's a really tough thing to overcome because it's not especially when you f- wake up originally, you feel like you just have been well you I mean waking up in general, you feel like you've been lied to and you mm-hmm. have and so it kind of hurts even more because as you start to dig in, you're like, I knew all of this all along and everybody told me I yep. was wrong. And so yep. coming to the but that's okay because I do know I'm right was like yes. really what brought me peace because it was like 
yeah, it's, it's it sucks that other people were fooling me, but in their heart, they truly thought they were doing what was right. And I can't blame mm-hmm. them for it. I just hope that we can start to realize that in no practice should anyone be saying what is right and wrong. It is to you as a person and individual to really seek what that looks like for you. Yes. I once had a spiritual teacher say religion is a celebration of somebody else's spiritual spirituality, whereas spirituality is a celebration of your own. Right. Yeah. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's why I, do, I think religion as we know it is going to fall away in the future because everybody's just going to have, they're going to realize that, oh, this is my own journey that I'm on in my relationship with God, source, creator, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's yeah it's for you to find out and not for somebody else to tell you right yeah well I mean my first I was just talking to my cousin about this my first like trigger of my awakening was probably when I was like 17 and I watched I I don't even know the full name of it but it's like the zeitgeist movies or something like that where it was Mm -hmm. like all about um it was conspiracy theories that at this point I'm now like oh not not all were conspiracy, um, <laughs> but but the big big part of that movie that like shook me to my core was, and I was like, uh, I was like so involved with church. I was like, it felt I was a leader for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I wasn't an athlete, um, but they, like I was so Christian that <laughs> I was a leader, yeah. um, and I was like a leader in different church groups and my youth group, things like that. But I watched this movie and things had kind of already started to crumble for me. But when I watched the movie, it goes into different mythologies um, with very similar, if not the same stories as Jesus, like being born of a virgin, resurrecting, coming back to life, all of those things. And for me to realize that all of that existed before the Bible really shook me. <laughs> right. It's it's crazy once you, when you grow up being taught the Bible is the truth and the only truth. Mm-hmm. And then to realize there's so much more out there. Like even learning about Lemuria and Atlantis, which a lot of people will say is myth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, say what you want to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just weird. We all know it. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. It's so it's so fascinating. So talking about like spiritual awakenings a little bit, what mm-hmm. like that was your first spiritual awakening. I feel like life is just a series of spiritual oh, awakenings. Yeah. I'm like, when does it ever stop? Am I, am I on my fifth one now? I know. Um when what has your past couple years been like with becoming yeah. spiritually awakened so it was like the gas pedal like just floored it 2020 so <laughs> <laughs> I had been like it's it's a very interesting journey I would say for sure because it's not what I would say most people would equate to like oh that's how your spiritual awakening started but um it started with me doing a lot of uh psychology research into trauma therapy and trauma healing and then that then led me into the uh, a whole of information around dissociative identity disorder and really diving deep into that and learning so much about that and watching it constantly at this point my brain was not like associating this to spirituality at all 
Um, but the more I learned about it, the more I just was so intrigued by this concept of alternate parts of you within yourself. And so then that led me to I, I get very fixated on topics and then I'm like, I got to learn everything about it and watch everything about it. And so then I move on to the next and then forget whatever I did. But that kind of, <laughs> that kind of started some. And then the other like weird off put was um, I got really interested in, <laughs> uh, we're just no shame for me today, which is a big, this is a big move, but like I got really interested into BDSM and mm-hmm. that whole dynamic and what that I relationship looks Tell like. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started researching it and I was doing all of this research and write, like reading books and taking notes. And a lot of it is just owning your power. And I've always been a, a, a sexual person, but that's been looked down on so de- so deeply within my my environment, my culture even. It's just not something that was a thing. Um, and so when I started really looking into this relate, this dynamic and how empowering it becomes for the woman, that in itself just, uh, set me into a whole other self-love, self-worth journey that I hadn't, because I always found a lot of confidence and self-empowerment in my sexuality. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also was always hiding it and making myself feel guilty and shameful for that part of myself. Um, But learning this changed that concept. Wow. So what specifically about BDSM has led you to that confidence that you're talking about? So it's interesting because I'm, I'm like research only at the, like that's, and that's, perfectly fine for me at this stage in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. But just, just really reading about the, about full consent um, and trust and fully being Uh. able to, to trust someone to know that there are boundaries and that they have been set and they will be respected. Um, And having had a traumatic past previously in certain areas of that, um, it, that concept never made sense to me. <laughs> I had never even thought mm. of that. I had never thought I can say exactly what I want and what mm. I don't want. And you have to ah. listen. <laughs> like you have to respect yeah. that. And that's, yes. and it just was something that was, I, I, I'm sure for most is how you process. But for me, it just was like a whole new concept that I had never even put into play in my life. And so the idea that I could do that and be empowered and it's okay to be of service and to feel confident and strong in this, in a servitude position, because I do love to give, but I also am a strong, powerful woman who deserves to be respected just because I like Mm. to offer my service. I don't want to be demeaned. Uh, and, And if you do, that's all on you and that's completely fine and perfect. But my past has been more of like, I was, I felt, and it might not have, it all been my perception. I felt I was weaker because of my desires and what I wanted and how I wanted to serve and help and make other people feel 
loved. Mm, that's so awesome. That's really powerful. Um, what's coming to mind is, have you seen that show on Netflix? It's like a comedy show, but it's about BDSM. No. Oh my god, Em, you would love this show. I, I can't <laughs> remember what it's called. You'll see it though. It's like it's pink. Um, I really, my brain is just like not working right now. But it's, it's ma- something to do with BDSM. I don't know, but it's like a it's a dramedy, I guess you would call it. Like it's funny, but it, there's also some drama in it. And it's about this chick who is in college getting her master's in psychology, or and she is a dominatrix to pay the bills Mm -hmm. and she ends up getting her best friend into it and he's this gay guy and they end up becoming like a team um and it's just kind of about their adventures together and it is hilarious number one but number two there were some really good nuggets in there about exactly what you're talking about like consent and full trust there's this one scene where she's talking to her mentor her her dominatrix mentor and her mentor is basically in charge of this man's breathing and that's what he wanted like he's paying Mm. her to do this and she Mm -hmm. has this machine that only gives him so much air to breathe um and she's talking to the girl about it and she's like well you know what full trust is it's actually doing it with him and so she's like let's take in a big deep breath and you know, so that they were feeling exactly what he was feeling as well. And so she's like, it's fully learning both ends of the coin, like being the dominator and being the dominatee, right? I don't know what they call it in BDSM. Submissive. Yes, submissive. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, I had like something click. I was like, wow, it's it's to learn both perspectives, the Mm -hmm. one who's being submissive and the one who's the dominatrix. Well, and that's what I, that's also part of it that was so interesting to me. It's like I'm reading this book about what it's like to be more submissive, but they're teaching you also what to look for and how to be a dom- dominant if you want to. But the the overarching theme for me was like I, I have my notes and it's like, know what you want. These are like big phrases I wrote giant for myself. Know what you want, know thyself. Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting a lot. There's nothing wrong with getting a lot. And those are, Mm. those are concepts that I've, I've limited myself in that are just, just basic life concepts. But I believed I wasn't, I had such deep self-worth issues that I didn't even believe I was worthy of having wants or having desires. I just was there to please others and not really realizing my own strength in that. So for me, it was really just kind of taking that ownership back and saying, that's how it started. And then it just became like, the rest of my journal is like, research into energy work and spirits. (laughs) So it's a very mixed journal (laughs) of 2020 um, because that's where I like kind of trip my like jumping off point was, but, and then it led into me like looking into, uh, they talk a little about sex magic. So then I started looking into witch stuff and TikTok really fed that to me really deep. So I learned some stuff from there and I take what I feel is right and just kind of go from that. So I collect lots of rocks. I don't, they really don't do too much for me. I am not one who can be like, I carry these because they, I feel the, 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 the impact, but they just make me happy. <laughs> 
So I have lots of crystals. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, I am a crystal lover as well. Oh, and no. same thing, people are like, well, how do I work with crystals? I have a book <laughs> about them, but I truly don't really know what any of them do. They just talk to me and I pick them up and I, I, I just know that they're doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like, I've, again, I get very into something and then I like, buy a bunch of stuff about it, learn a bunch of stuff about it, and then we'll either lose interest or completely forget it. So I have like a bunch of crystals that I'm trying to wire wrap and to make um, a mobile with or and I have a bunch of like rough stones that I'm going to tumble because I decided I wanted to start rock tumbling. All of these things with with very little reasoning is just I wanted to do it. And I think that's a part of two a big part of my like last year was if I wanted to do something, I just did it because I don't need to <laughs> to suppress my joy because of fears that are really not even mine. Yeah. And like, what were some of those fears before this past year when it came to just doing what you wanted to do? Oh, I think the biggest like... Because I, previously to last year, I've been in, like, um, nonstop work mode, basically on autopilot, just working constantly, just trying to survive money-wise, and was in, like, full survival mode. And didn't even think that you you could live because you wanted Mm. to. It just felt like I had to constantly be in survival mode. Just from everybody around me, that's how everybody I've been raised around feels um and kind of shifting that fear into something else but that was a big piece was like once I lost my job last February um and I was I was living in LA and I didn't have any friends really or family out there um I didn't know what I was going to do. The pandemic hit all at once. Uh, and so I just, I, I had no choice. Wow. I didn't realize you were living in LA when the pandemic hit. Yeah, I had, uh, so I had been in LA for a, a year. I had just moved. I, I This is like my eighth move in three years. and so um a lot of back and forth I went from LA to Texas then Texas to LA and then LA back to Texas and then now to where I am now in the Midwest and it's freezing here um (laughs) but wow yeah it was it was right at the beginning of the pandemic so I actually got out the weekend the lockdown in LA started so, oh, you got out just in time because shit got weird there afterwards. <laughs> yes. So intuition was strong and guiding me to leave the day I left because and and I I also think there's so much there. I mean, once you start digging into your spiritual journey, you're like, oh, okay, that's where you guided me here. That's where you guided me here. Because the day that my dad came, my dad had pancreatic cancer, and so he's doesn't have a spleen, which does mean he's a little more at risk for COVID. And at that point, it wasn't really big. Nobody was talking about it. It was really still kind of quiet. Um, and he had come to LA 
and we were going to go to a mall and eat, but, and I'm never one to say no to eating out. I love food and I love to eat out. And so, uh, we had a bunch of food in my freezer and I didn't want it to go to waste. So I, he was like, well, we'll just stay in. And I was like, yeah, I think that's probably the best idea. And I think, I think all the time, I can't even imagine what would have happened if we had gone out in public because this was before masks. This was like, he could have gotten this and something terrible could have happened or who knows, but something in me said, we're not leaving this house. And Mm -hmm. we did not And, and thankfully we were fine and all is what it is. Um, but I do think that there was, there was a good purpose into that feeling I felt that night where I was like, we're just going to stay in. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very like splenic, you know, it's like uh-huh. um, in human in human design, we talk about how, and I- ironic that he doesn't have a spleen, but <laughs> how like your spleen center in human design is your instinctual center. And since you have a defined one, it's, you get those like little splenic hits where you don't know where they come from. It's very quick. Mm-hmm. It's like a whisper. It's quick and quiet, and it's you don't really know how to explain it. You're just like, I just know what I know, and I know that we need to stay in. Yep. It, it, it So, yeah, that was just a very, like, strong moment for us. And then um, I went to live with my sister, and that was – she is still very um, fearful of the pandemic, and so – we really didn't leave the house. No one left the house and no one came to the house. Like so strict that we only saw my parents in their backyard. Um, we wouldn't go into each other's houses. Like we were full wow. isolation. And um, that was when I really was like, I, I don't know that I'm going to survive this if, yeah. <laughs> if we don't, yeah. if I don't find another outlet. And so I just started really like looking into more spiritual things and then I found you and Sarah and dived headfirst into everything you guys had (laughs) Uh, and then kind of from there it just ripple affected gigantic change throughout my whole life I love it I mean and (laughs) that's like kind of how Sarah and I were with it too we were just like we don't really know what we're doing I mean we we both had obviously worked in this um, as spiritual practitioners for a while it was just like starting to really put ourselves online it was really interesting and we're like okay we were just following our intuition like let's go live on tiktok let's connect with people let's do readings for people like whatever and we just kept getting urges to put ourselves out there and then it was really cool to meet people like you right away because people like you were the reason we just kept doing it and kept showing up and kept creating and Um, kept looking for other ways to connect with people on that level. So it's just really cool that we connected early on in that way. Yeah. And and it's funny because like I've I've been in tech for 10 years. That's pretty much all I did was tech support and tech of some sort, mostly training to be. So um, and then when I wasn't doing that, my roommates were on Twitch. My ex-boyfriend was on Twitch. Um, I had so many people who were, like, trying the internet thing and, mm-hmm. like, trying to do things from it. And so I have, like, all that just in my brain for no reason, it felt like. But <laughs> <laughs> but during, during when everything started, it made it easier for me to kind of 
just help where I could um, mm-hmm. because it's otherwise it's just sitting in my brain for no reason. And it helped me kind of um, find a footing for myself too. And, and being comfortable and asking and talking to people that um, I, I'm not someone who reaches out just to random people and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I can be very introverted in certain ways. And, um, this was like a a big thing for me to just follow my instincts and to, to have had support continuously be below me or not below me, but like be there for me has been gigantic for my whole experience. And, um, my, my family all knows they have my, (laughs) I call it because I don't want to fear my mom, my mom have a full panic attack. Um, say that <laughs> we, I have my support group. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, that's basically what we are. I don't know what yeah. else to call us at this point. I'm like, yeah, it's funny. Cause when the guides first told us to start circle, we were like, okay, I guess we're going to teach people how to channel. And then, I mean, we did, we do a little bit of that, but for the most part, it's just like turned into this really beautiful support group. And now looking back, the guides are like, yeah, because you guys all need each other. Like there's right. the shit is crazy. <laughs> And yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of people I think that show up to circle that, you know, you've heard it where they're like, I don't feel comfortable sharing. I don't want to talk. And I'm like, that's totally fine. And then they end up opening up, you know, and I'm like, I like to think that we give people a platform to really be themselves and have support in doing that and have cheerleaders in doing whatever it is that they want to do. Well, yeah, because the, the first, I went to two of to at least two of your group healings and both of them I was like I'm not gonna talk I'm just gonna let everybody else do their thing and then as soon as it came to does anyone have anything <laughs> every time you'd call me out someone would call me out first and I was like okay so ego you don't have to like prep me that we're not gonna talk because obviously we're gonna talk yep. <laughs> and 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 as Circle went on, I just was like, you know what? You're going to talk anyway because you like to talk and this is what it's here for. So don't shame yourself. Just do what yeah. you And Well, it's you're also great. a projector. Yeah, and you're a projector. And so <laughs> there's that There's that bit where, I mean, we were experiencing it with even getting you on this podcast. So funny. I'm learning really, truly with human design. That's how you have to enter into situations, right? So mm-hmm. I have like a manifester friend and I've been trying to hang out with her for the last couple weeks and I'm like, "Oh, it's not working because she needs to initiate. She's a manifester. <laughs> oh. I'm a manifesting generator. I need to respond to her." So in those situations, you can trust that because you're a projector, if you're meant to share your wisdom, people are going to call you out and they're going to say, "Hey, like, you know, and even with the healing stuff, it's we were Yes, trying to help you, but also knowing there's that unconscious energetic exchange going on where we know that you have something to share of wis- like some wisdom to share and some value. And by you opening up and being that mirror for people um, within their own healing, you're also going to end up sharing wisdom. Yeah. it It's really cool to experience because you don't <laughs> you d- you definitely go in with one idea of what's going to happen and then i i i don't 
try to put too much thought and planning into things because I know what's going to come is what's supposed to. Um, and a lot of times, even with just talking to my friends, I'll say things and they'll be like, wait, can you repeat that? And I'm like, I have no clue what I just said. Yep. So <laughs> that's such a projector thing, I feel like, especially being a 2-4 also. Um, you know, I'm a 2-4 as well. And it's like sometimes we just – say things because well let me explain this because people who don't know things about human design are gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about but the two is the natural so we're just naturally good at things naturally gifted naturally wise which can be really confusing because if you don't have reflection from others telling you hey you're really good at this sometimes we're like what are we good at <laughs> help me out here <laughs> I think that's why I do everything because <laughs> mm-hmm. I just yep. am like, I don't know. I'll just try it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and then it's like, oh, I'm really good at this. Okay. I had no yeah. idea until I try it, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's the, I, I mean, this time last year, if you would have said, if you would have asked me, are you creative? I would have said no. And I would have laughed. And this whole year I've just spent being creative in all different forms. I just had never allowed myself to test other mediums um and I just thought draw I mean and even drawing I can draw I don't know why I've never thought I could I don't know where Mm -hmm. this this concept or belief came up in me but like when I was really young my mom had asked what like when I was like three or four she asked uh what I wanted to be when I grow up and the, the very first answer I had was, well, I want to live in an RV and sell my art, uh, Bibles, and then have a little restaurant. So I wanted to be a spiritual worker, an artist, and some sort of like community center, but live in an RV with a monkey. And all I've wanted for the <laughs> past like five years is to be a van life, just because and I and now I'm realizing, oh, I knew exactly what I wanted to be because that's what I'm going to end up being. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and I'm it's a, I love talking to people about this kind of stuff, especially about your childhood. Um, when we know your design and I'm looking at your chart right now and I'm like, okay, you have gate 35 and gate 35 is all about adventure and wanting to be this adventure seeker and um that makes so much sense. I feel like people with gate 35 are kind of always on the move. They're always wanting to taste different things and try different things. And then you have gate 41, which I call the gate of the visionary, but it's also known as the gate of fantasy. And people with that gate just have this like pressure to create art. It's from the root center and it's a very creative energy. And you have the full channel, you have the 4130, um, which means that your root is connected to your solar plexus. So you have this like emotional energy connected to the art it's like that's your way of processing your emotions is through your art Hmm. that yeah that makes sense (laughs) that's funny yeah I I love human design because it's like it's every time I learn something new about myself that just is like reaffirming yeah that's why I love it I'm like all it does is validate everything you've ever done in life Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like every urge that we've had that we've never understood, it's like, oh, well, this is why. Um, and you're also your strongest cognition is external vision. So I find that people with that, um, 
end up being very artistic or design oriented or just wanting to create beauty. Um, like your food needs to look good. You know, it's, it's your external vision. Everything that you can see with your eyes, it's important for it to be appealing for you. That, yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Cause I, I just moved again. And so I'm like setting up my room. And the other day I was sitting, standing in my room and <laughs> I was like, this is like a fucking cool girl's room. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, if I was young and I saw this room, I would be like, oh my God, this is like such a cool person. Like how, what a cool girl. <laughs> Isn't and then that I, all we really want? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's, that's why it matters. Like getting all of these things. Yes, there are things and it's, it's all, I don't have deep meaning or attachments to any of it, but it does help in making me realize my childhood fantasies of dreams of like what it was to be an adult and getting to be that. Cause when you watch 13 going on 30, <laughs> you're like, mm -hmm. wow, that's amazing. And then when she turns 30, you're like, Oh, it's, it is amazing, but it also seems stressful. And then yeah, you're actually you're like 30. <laughs> Yeah, and you're, <laughs> and you're like, man, I wish I was 13 again. My 13 year old self had it right. So oh my god, I mean, there's part of me that's like, yeah, I miss that. And then also, I was just so angsty when I was 13. Yes. I was like, e emo music and like the duck butt haircut, not really, but the really choppy bangs yeah. and you know, wearing those like bracelets with spikes on them and just so I would angsty. Not, I would not actually want to be 13 year old me <laughs> but <laughs> I like that I can make 13 year old me happy at least <laughs> totally well and that's just being connected to your inner child and the, di yeah. the different age the different ages of children within you right I'm like I think about those things all the time like Sarah and I were out longboarding the other day and we had our longboards and our helmets and I was like I literally feel like a teenager right now and people are like waving to us and stuff I'm like they probably think we're 17 <laughs> <laughs> my, my 17 year old self would be so excited right now <laughs> I know yesterday I was sitting on the couch and I'm like my hair's all curly and natural and I and I I'm watching iCarly and I was like oh my gosh I feel like I'm 13 again like <laughs> I'd like transformed back into my parents bedroom watching tv <laughs> yes but I love it It's so interesting thinking back to that point in our lives and like it's, it's and it's like you can feel that version of you has evolved within you as well. So it's not actually frozen in time anymore. And I like how at the beginning you were talking about how it was trauma that actually led you to your spiritual awakening in the first place um, because that, that's the same for me. I would say, you know, it was like a relationship that woke me up, but I started looking into trauma because of how I was behaving in that relationship. And I'm like, oh, the reason I behave the way I behave is because of trauma. And then I found Teal Swan and <laughs> that sent me down a rabbit hole. And so I feel like for a lot of us, it's trauma that wakes us up. But it's because there's parts of us that are like frozen in time. And 
once you realize that and you go rescue those parts of yourself through healing, you actually get to develop adult relationships with them where you get to be the adult and then you have your teenage self and you're like, cool, I'm going to like do something to make you happy, but you're not driving the bus unintentionally, right? You're like, you're not, right. I'm not allowing you to drive the bus when you're a child and you shouldn't be driving the bus. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's super important because like what I find where my where my teenage self really wants to be in control is when I'm angry or frustrated and then I like I and I'm even right now being harsh with myself around my reaction, my feelings and how I want to react to them. But like I will have almost fits. But I remember when I was in in middle school and high school I was always told to just quit being so dramatic and I just was such a deep feeler and I still am that there would be times where like I I physically needed to scream or just cry to a point I couldn't breathe because I needed to release it like it just was all so much inside of me and to have felt the shame of like you're not you shouldn't do that that's embarrassing you're like you shouldn't feel that way was really difficult for me to overcome so a lot of my healing has been just kind of giving that that girl a voice where it's like it's okay to to feel how you want and if it makes other people uncomfortable then that's not on you Um, yeah it's, it's not on you I love that you've realized that for yourself it's hard. I mean, obviously, we all will continue to have these things come up and it may be a struggle one day and the next it's like easy, no problem, I don't care. Um, but I I still like with my sister, I'll have those moments where we, we'll get in a fight and if I'm crying too hard, she'll she'll scoff at me and say mm-hmm. like, "You need to calm down or you're being crazy." And it, it just triggers a whole new thought for me, like and a whole new feeling of like, yeah, you are, you should calm down. Why are you being crazy? And so having to kind of re re teach those behaviors is really hard. Um, but once you get it, you feel really good and strong and just being able to emote the way you're, you want to. Um, and I yeah. remember Sarah, Sarah talked about this once too. And she was like, she said that she was, having an emotional moment and you came in on it and hearing that you were able to give her that space was something I couldn't even imagine. And so getting to kind of find how it looks to have people hold space for you, that in itself was gigantic for me. Yeah. I mean, I can understand if you've never had that and truth be told before I, I mean, before this last year, I don't know that I really had conscious friendships. I definitely had good friends um, and I experienced moments of that, I feel like. But I also think even if they were showing up like that, I wasn't allowing them to fully. So I wasn't really getting it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost well, yeah. like you can be you can be given it, but if you're not open to receiving, then you won't even realize what you have in front of you. Right. Yeah. And and that can be that can help in like re-engaging relationships that you felt like weren't necessarily your thoughts on it because you just weren't 
receiving what was being given because it was uncomfortable. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I lived with my best friend for a few years. And I mean, our relationship was very sisterly and where we would like argue about things. Um, but I I realize now and especially like knowing her human design and everything, I'm like, I was just not even really showing up fully to the friendship. And I think there were a lot of moments where she was trying to get me to open up and show up differently, but I couldn't. And so that like, therefore we couldn't really have the connection that either one of us was desiring because of our trauma. And we were both projecting onto each other all the time anyways. And so it's like really hard to have a conscious friendship. <laughs> um, so I'm with you on that one. This is the first year I really feel like where I've actually had conscious friendships with both parties showing up, um, myself showing up, able to receive the support and willing to give it as well and not just project my opinions onto my friends. And I, I mean, I still struggle with because I want, I'm a fixer. <laughs> I have all of the mm -hmm. solutions. So yep. it can be hard for me to remember that there's space that has to be held before we can come to a solution. And not everyone's going to work at the same pace that I do. And that's not wrong and it's not right. Um, mm -hmm. But it just is. And so for me to just jump into things at the pace that's comfortable for me isn't always fair to the people that I, I want to be there for and to be conscious for. So even me having to like, be empathetic because you know how and like I love that and I love to be empathetic but I I skip that step every now and then because I'm like but we can be better <laughs> like you can yeah. be happy <laughs> like, let's get there well you have gate 60 and that's like I call it um the roadblocks gate because it's like people with that are designed to help others get past roadblocks right so that's kind of where that solutions oriented mindset comes from because you're just like no well that's standing in the way let's just move it <laughs> let's just figure out our way around it you like don't take no for an answer right it's like I well you know let's just get around that let's figure out our way around that but and I I've been like that too truth be told I think it's you know me being Gemini and whatever it's being more comfortable with that masculine energy of the solutions oriented when actually most people just need to be witnessed most people just yeah. need that feminine nurturing energy and then when they're ready for the solution you can say and I have some ideas for a solution let me know when you're ready you know and that feels if you just feel into that man that feels so good when people yep. give you the option right instead of just thrusting it on you yes and and it, it's it was a whole this last time when I went to go move all my stuff, um, my my sister and I had a, a disagreement, and she was telling me how she wanted me to show up for her. I was explaining, ah. I was doing the best that I I thought that I was doing the best I could at that time, so yep. I can't undo it. I now see your side of things, but you are telling me in the same breath that I'm not good enough the way I showed up. And so it was like a really good, I don't know if it was as impactful for her as it was for me, but it was good for me to be able to say, well, 
you might not have liked how I how I responded and that's okay and I can try and tweak and adjust and see where you're coming from and see that that side but also by you saying this you're also making me small because you want me to be better than I I am and I was just doing the best I thought I could and my and if that's not good enough then that's that's a whole other conversation Totally. And that makes me think about something I've been really teaching and integrating lately, which as a people pleaser, uh, codependency, that kind of thing um, can be difficult, but it's internal boundaries and external boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. So an external boundary is like a physical external boundary. I don't want you to stand that close to me or you can stand this close to me. An internal boundary is you taking responsibility for your feelings and not trying to control other people. So when people have a lack of internal boundaries, that's when they do that sort of thing where they're like, you need to be different for me, right? Mm-hmm. It's and, it, and really, it just comes from fear. So if you imagine that when you're interacting with somebody who is doing that, they're they're acting from their child self. They're shifting into that energy and saying, I don't feel safe and you need to make me feel safe. Mm-hmm. And it, well, and it was so interesting though, because then we ended up having basically the same conversation um, the next day, but like the end of that conversation, she was still mad and she did not want to like, she was just mad. And so we went to bed angry at each other. I wasn't angry because at that point I had processed what I needed to and realized I can show it's not going to hurt me any to show up any differently if I can acknowledge it in the moment um Mm. and so when we had the when the conversation came up again I was able to give the space of the empathy that she was looking for that she wanted um but also still stay true to myself and not just mold directly to everything that she was needing and wanting because then then it's not me that's just something that's just feeding your ego and not necessarily helping either of us with an actual relationship because I'm not going to consistently live how you want me to and that's right because then that's just pleasing right yeah and so for I would just it's it's been really, I mean, it was really good for me to kind of be able to observe the the whole thing as it's happening because I was like, okay, you gave a little, but so did she. And this conversation ended so much better and she feels the release that she needed originally, but you weren't capable of at that time. So it just was good full circle for me. I love it. And that's kind of what I was going to get at is how do you find that balance between, especially when you're a recovering people pleaser, how do you find that balance (laughs) of still showing up as a loving, unconditional person, but also not allowing yourself to be bulldozed? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's really hard. (laughs) Yeah, it it is. (laughs) um, I have to... I have to uh, really sit with myself and because I'm not someone who can answer or make decisions when I'm emotional, I have to truly sit with myself and say, what do you want to do? What will make you happy? Or, Mm -hmm. and if I, and and I was trying to explain this to her, my sister as well, because 
that idea for so many years for me was, well, that's selfish. Sometimes you just have to do things you don't want to do. Well, no, I don't. (laughs) And I just have to, (laughs) and I just know myself enough to know that I'm not going to be the type of person who, if somebody is carrying something and it's heavy, that I'm just going to sit back and not help because I want to help. I'm going to do it because I want to, not because somebody's forcing me to. Not, and so I know myself enough to know that the worst case scenario is probably never going to be the case. So, and I, and I, my, my secondary part to that is always saying what I mean and helping others to believe me when I say, if I, if I say I want to do this, it's because I truly want to. If I yes. say that I'm going to do it, it's because I truly mean it. I'm not going to to say and sugarcoat things to make you more comfortable because it doesn't help either of us. And so, and, and I'm not harsh. I'm not a mean person. So I know that me not sugarcoating it still probably to some would be sugarcoated. Because, <laughs> but yeah. I know myself enough to know that I at this point, I have to lean in on what's true to me and what's what I what it is that makes me happy and what I want to do um yes I love it I love it it's so liberating (laughs) and and you know I find in relationship that when the when both people are open-hearted and they want to and they love each other they take each other they take each other's best interest as their own best interest then usually an organic third option shows itself right so you're like this is what's going to make me happy this is going to what's going to make me happy we have a boundary conflict because that those are different things okay then clearly what's the third option where you're both happy right Mm -hmm. right and that ends up showing up but you have to you have to show up open-hearted and willing to find that willing to release your ego so you're not just like this is what I want like it's like how can we both be happy here and that takes a that takes a conversation yeah and and that was a huge uh, hurdle for me just the the conversation part because I'm just I am intuitive in uh, knowing and um so m- most everything intuition wise comes to me through clear knowing or clear cognizance and so mm-hmm. I just <laughs> I just know and so it makes it very difficult because in certain situations I do know how you would respond. And so it's easy Mm -hmm. for me to people please because it's easy for me to manipulate the situation to get the response that's going to be the most comfortable for everyone. Yeah, exactly. But it's not always the best or or Mm -hmm. it's not even what I want. So just to do that, to play this mental chess game in every conversation, in every relationship, it just, it's so disingenuous for myself that I I had to you have to learn to to move past this and become part of codependency recovery because you do deserve to have what you want not just because it's less uncomfortable for others (laughs) yeah exactly because ultimately it's like if you are showing up and giving from a place of an empty cup or giving from a place of I don't want to be here I don't want to do this we can't get away with that anymore because people can feel that they can feel when Mm -hmm. you're not enthused 
we can feel energy. We understand when people don't really want to be there. And that's really what I've learned and what I coach my clients on is <laughs> don't show up for something if you don't want to be there because right. it's going to make the experience like not good for everybody involved. <laughs> right. And and I think too, as we get strong, as like everyone starts to to lean into these, these knowings within themselves, it's going to make it harder and harder for those who just said what you needed to hear uh, to, to make it through like they used to. And so it becomes more and more uncomfortable because they'll know your intent. No, yep. uh, your intent is more obvious than, than a lot of people believe that it is. Um, and a lot more people can see and read it than I think that, we have been told that it can be masked and hidden and and I'm not fun to watch movies with because it is it is easy for me to kind of guess certain plot lines and things. Now Me too. Watch- <laughs> Don't watch, watch movies with psychics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it was we watched uh Fire Firefly Lane and I was mm-hmm. coming up with all these crazy concepts. I wasn't right on almost any of these, which is the first time in a long time. But when I watch movies with my sister, it's like a rule I'm not allowed to to speak because I'll end up giving away the plot. And she's like, you're spoiling it. I'm like, I didn't watch it. I'm This is my first time watching it too. But because I'm just usually so on point, she's like, you can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I'm, I figured it out already. I solved the mystery. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, it's it's so interesting talking about this because, um, yeah, you're you're a, you're such a nurturer, and that's really such a strong energy in your chart, even in your human design, is like being a nurturer and giving other people nurturing. But I find that people with that energy really do struggle with codependency because it it fills your cup to nurture people but then you're also a projector so you only have so much energy to give and you have to be really like really hard on yourself when it comes to filling your own cup and only nurturing in ways that feel good for you have you like noticed ways that actually do feel good for you to nurture others that don't burn you out um Yes, but I do also, because I am more aware um, of my energy and how it, how I thrive and all that, um, I am, I'm just very careful with how I give. Um, and I truly trust a lot of what's going, what will be, will be. And I don't, I used to cancel every plan I ever had. Because I just couldn't bring, like, I couldn't get the energy to do it. Um, The universe has started doing it for me. For anything that's not, like, I don't have the energy for it, it will not happen. It just won't. (laughs) And it won't happen either that, not that day, or just not not ever. Um, And, like, the holidays were pretty a good example of that. Like I love to, like I, like you said, I'm a nurturer. And so for the past, I don't know, four or five years, um, I've hosted Thanksgiving. I did it for friends in LA. Uh, and so it was like all the, all the people who worked retail with me who couldn't go home, they would all come over and I would make a big Thanksgiving. I'd spend 
way more money than I had <laughs> on this meal. Um, mm-hmm. But, and then I like would spend all day cooking, all day cleaning, all of that, and then be like dead for a week and like couldn't do stuff because I just was like, all my energy was gone because I just spent it there. But this year wow. I, I, I took, I still wanted to do the Thanksgiving, but I did it for my family, but I didn't over, um, overdo myself. I allowed myself to receive help and to have breaks when I needed the breaks and to then take the next day to just fully re-energize myself and rest and take the time I needed for me without feeling the shame or the guilt of other people wanting me to do things with them or to to be there. Um, I will probably always be happy having people come to me and talk to me about things that are going on and holding space. Like that's easily the, it, it kind of gives and takes my energy. Um, mm. Because I, I can feel, like I was on the phone with my best friend last night for two plus hours. Um, just because she just needed to vent and <laughs> she just needed someone yeah. who, who can kind of see both sides. And that's what she always says. She, I come to you because you're, you can see both sides. And I, I also have been through a lot within my own experience. Um, so I don't, I try to do as much nurturing without judgment. Mm, that's uh, so good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it can be incredibly hard because at certain points you just are mad at whoever is hurting the people you love. Mm-hmm. Um, but then for me to come back to, well, they're hurt too. And realizing that, that doesn't change that boundaries need to be set and whatever. And people need to take care of themselves. Um, but it doesn't mean I need to, I, I'm not showing up for their growth. I'm showing up for my best friends or the people who are, seeking me um so I can't I can't reach into what's going on on their side unless they want that (laughs) um but I can see why they might feel certain ways and know that it's not coming from a place most often it's not coming from a place of hate or hurt it's or or coming from a place of hurt um so I for me, it's really, I don't spend a lot of time in public. I don't like to. I can't, I, when I was in my younger 20s, yeah, I would go to bars and was a crazy partier, was out all, like all weekend, every weekend, or sometimes weekdays, all week long. Um, I just can't anymore. My energy is like, you were in public two days ago. We're not seeing anybody ever again. <laughs> Yep. It's like we're done. <laughs> You're tapped out. <laughs> Why'd you go I totally, out? <laughs> I, I I feel like that might be a two four thing because I totally relate to that. It's like I'm in my cave. I just want to be my cave. Leave me alone. And then I get called out by my friends. They're like, We haven't seen you in a while. Come on out, you know? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. And then I'm exhausted for like <laughs> I just can't. I'm like, I'm tapped. And and it's so interesting thinking back to my younger years because, you know, not that I'm that that old now, but in my 20s, it's just 
I wanted to go out every single night. I'm like, how did I do that? How? Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know. I don't even know I'm how so I understand. how I drank how I drank at all ever. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. That's a that's a thing too. I'm like now I have like a beer or two maybe, and I'm like fucking hungover. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. how did I do that? I how would I drink half a bottle of Jameson like every single yeah. night and still be living to tell the tale? <laughs> I'm chalking it up to we just have too many high frequencies that we can't accept <laughs> you just can't our bodies, penetrate this frequency our bodies are too upgraded at this point they're not able to withstand the low frequencies of alcohol for very long that's that's totally it and not our age yep that's, that's what it is that makes me feel better <laughs> we just I do think there up. is definitely yeah I mean I do think there's truth to that I think once you start becoming more conscious and I'm definitely not like putting us up on a pedestal or anything but I've just noticed the more time I put into um you know increasing my consciousness and meditating and doing healing work and all of those things I just number one I lose the urge before when mm-hmm. drinking used to be a social thing but it was also because I didn't feel comfortable to be myself so I needed this substance to open me up and like give me permission to be myself which I wasn't really when I was drinking but it's also like I felt uncomfortable I had anxiety and Mm -hmm. it allowed me to release that and for a bit and numb that feeling a little bit and now I'm like well why do I have anxiety right now like let's go into that I'm more curious about it so the the urge to drink just isn't really there and unless it's you know a special occasion or I look at it as there can be high vibrational reasons to consume alcohol yeah, and there can be low vibrational reasons and no judgment on the low vibe. I used to do that shit all the time. And, you right. know, occasionally there's still the urge where I'm like, oh, I don't want to feel this. <laughs> but yeah. now I just I know better. I know that it's just going to get bigger if I don't feel it. And if I just try to numb it out, it's just going to get bigger. Yeah, I, I do think, too, there's something with um once you start becoming conscious, you also start to ground yourself more. And I can tell you most of my twenties, I was not in my body. I was so far from it. Um, (laughs) that, that once I started grounding, I hated it. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm earth mostly I'm a Taurus and my moon is Virgo. So I have some air, but most, I'm, I resonate strongly with the earth and mm-hmm. um, grounding for was, for me was so uncomfortable. I hated it. I was like, I don't know why I'm just going to skip this for a long time. I didn't do any, like when I started my meditation all on my own and stuff, I just would find certain things I'd think and I'd search it and I'd watch a meditation about it. And I was doing one about connecting to Gaia and the first time I did it, I had to stop halfway through because I was my legs were jumping, my like my whole body just didn't like it. I didn't want it because I didn't want to be in my body. I was so uncomfortable with it. And then, mm-hmm. and I think when you drink, it takes you a little. It takes you out of your body, and so oh hell yeah, that's why it's called spirits. <laughs> that's what they call liquor spirits because you're just taken up and out into the spiritual realm yeah and so so you're like oh this is now that i'm grounded i don't really i don't need the alcohol to get me (laughs) to that level to that spirit totally 
So I love that. That's it's uh addiction is such an issue all all the way around with a lot of different things and I think yeah, I don't know. Alcohol is a, <laughs> is a bitch. <laughs> and there's a there's a, like a mental a mental part that you can overcome beyond the physical where you you can not not to say that by no means would I ever tell anyone who believes that they are an alcoholic to um to not to continue to drink if they don't feel comfortable drinking then they shouldn't um but if you are someone like me who has alcoholism throughout my entire family for me it's my yeah. it's the mental part of overcoming the the addiction that i i don't need this i don't necessarily even often want it so why would i seek it um and yeah. that in itself can be healing for some i and everyone's journey is going to be different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, always put that asterisk out there. Like, <laughs> we're, not, we're not judging you. This is our experience. Everybody's experience is different. I like to have a drink every now and then. You know, it's it's not uh, – it's, it's, yeah, everybody's on their own journey when it comes to substances for sure. And it's, it's an interesting topic. <laughs> Love it. Well, this has been awesome, Em. Um, I know. I feel like we could talk forever because we're friends and that's what we do. And <laughs> but you know, I'm like, this has gone in a lot of directions that I'm excited about. I was like, whoa, she's throwing in BDSM. Like, hell yeah! <laughs> like, like, I definitely love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect it, but it was when I first talked to my cousin and was going through my how I like became awoken. I realized that actually played a pretty big part. So I love it. I love how everybody's why, awakening is so different. Yeah, and no need to shame anything for myself I need to free myself of that and so yes. why not talk on it on a public platform <laughs> why not you know it's the best way to heal from it just shout it from the rooftops so good well yeah thanks so much for coming on Emma can't wait to yeah it was awesome this. all right I'm super cool recording